This is the Action Network Podcast. All the work, all the talk, all the handicapping is done. It's time for history. They're all in line. We're ready for the start. They're off in the Freakness. Make another two lengths more. Back to win, win, win on the turn. Beginning to pick up stride near the back of the pack. As the field turns for home. And he bursts through an opening on the inside. Stride for stride. As they come to the final furlong. Keep battling on. One, two, down to the line. An impossible result here. Wins the greatness. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Sean Zarilla, joined today by Mike Samich and Mike Conti to help you break down the 148th running of the Preakness Stakes. Going to post at 6.54 p.m. on Saturday. We're going to break down the second jewel, the Triple Crown. Also take a look at the Black Eyed Susan Stakes on Friday and the guy's favorite undercard bets for both Friday and Saturday. But we're going to jump right into things, talking about this edition of the Preakness, which in my lifetime... Might be the weakest edition of the Preakness ever. One runner coming back from the Derby. Typically, you see about three to five. And seven new shooters coming in here. Going into the Derby, I said this was, by speed scores, one of the slowest Derbies in recent memory. And now you have basically all of those horses, except for the Derby winner, Mage, not running back in this race. So a slower crop, probably going against Mage, contending for this race. Mage was a 15 to one. Post-time underdog, I believe, at the Derby when it closed. Uh, eight to five coming in here for the Preakness. I'm going to toss it to Mike Samich first because he was all over Mage in the Derby. Hope he cashed some tickets using that. Mage was my initial reaction when I watched tape and somehow over the course of the week talked myself out of it, probably because he had never raced as a two-year-old and just thought he needed more experience. Have it underneath, not on top. But Mike Samich, uh, agree or disagree with the fact that this is one of the weakest Preakness fields in a while? And how do you see mage shaping up into this race relative to where he was in the derby do you think he's ready to take another step forward definitely agree with you on, on one of the weaker preakness fields that we've seen i think there's a couple reasons for that first off this this crop had a lot of defections prior to the derby we talked about you know the top 10 horses we were looking at in december of last year really only forte was the one who ran in the derby or was trying to run in the derby obviously ended up scratching out there as the favorite so you lose those horses. And then on top of that, we had these essentially three horses that drew in that probably would have been in the Preakness had they not drawn into the Derby. So that took some of those horses out as well. Manor and Hero, really the one you can point to and say, hey, he was planning to be here. But because he ended up in the Derby, ended up not here in the Preakness. So, yeah, we don't have a wonderful field here. Um, but at the same time, it's a very interesting betting race. You brought up Mage specifically, only started four times in his career. This is going to be the fifth start coming off of by far his best race of his career. That Kentucky Derby was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if you have not watched it and focused on Mage, it is 100% worth doing so. He did everything on his own around the far turn. He only got hit once down the stretch by Castellano. The big question for me, and it's something that I have been grappling with for the last week, can we expect that type of performance again in just two weeks? And, and, and it's really, does Mage bounce, meaning regress off of that Derby? Or will Mage run right back to that race? Because to be honest, if he runs back to that derby, they're all running for second. So it's really a question of how do you handle that two-week turnaround and do you think Mage is able to quickly bounce back from that race? In my mind, I don't think that derby took that much out of him, which is wild to say because it was that good of a race. But we'll, we'll see what happens here first within the Preakness. If he can get through here, should be interesting. Should be a lot of fun to have a triple crown on the line in at Belmont. So Mage came out from slightly off the pace in that race. And Mike Conti, I want to start talking about how we envision the, the pace for the Preakness. Field of eight instead of a field of 20. I think we typically get 
an honest pace in the Derby, regardless of whether there are early speed horses in there, just because somebody inevitably is going to send to the front. Looking at the time form U.S. pace projector for this race, they have the number four coffee with Chris out on the lead, along with the number one national treasure and the number eight first mission. I would expect national treasure with John Velasquez on board to be out on the lead because that's where he likes to be. Mage, the number three and the number six perform in that second flight, the number two and the number seven in the third flight, and then the number five, Red Route One, coming from all the way in the back. I don't necessarily think there's a lot of speed in this race. Frankly, if looking at PPs, I think Mage might have the best early speed in this race going back a few races. So, Conti, how do you see the pace playing out? I want to get Mike's Mike Samich's thoughts as well on the pace, but I actually expect a slower pace. I'm going to be looking for horses who are near the front. I agree, right? It's also interesting and, and kind of ironic because we we sat here two weeks ago and said, no one knows, right? The biggest question is going to be the pace in the Derby. And what did we get? We got the fastest half mile Derby time in the history. And so you, you ask yourself then, okay, well, like clearly somebody wanted to go. I agree, right? That I do think uh, that the four coffee with Chris is probably going to be the horse that goes on paper, time form, uh, pace figures, the whole nine yards looks like that that horse will go. And frankly, I think it's the only chance that he has to win is to go and, and try to somehow gate to wire this field. Um, that being said, right, there's been a ton of hype around first mission, the eight post in, in a field of eight, right. Being on the outside, that's fine. If anything, it's actually will help him to sit the trip that he wants. You mentioned national treasure. He will also be much more forwardly placed um, as he's been in most of his starts. The question for national treasure is what type of trip does he get? Because if you go back and look at and watch the replay of that Santa Anita Derby, I've watched it multiple times. There's two things that you need to watch with national treasure from that Santa Anita Derby. It's the far turn. The horse has to almost come to a complete stop because he's boxed in. He can't go anywhere. And for everybody listening, what you need to understand about horses, you're talking about half ton plus animals, like to go from 30 plus miles an hour and put on the brakes to call it 10, 15, 20 miles an hour, and then to re-engage and try to pick that speed back up. It's not an easy thing to do. So if you watch the far turn in National Treasure, he's got to stop. And you watch the last 16th of a mile of that Santa Anita Derby, and you see that he really finds his footing again. And you're like, okay, this horse has talent. It's also, we also should note, right? This horse is a national treasure, is a Bob Baffert horse. Baffert obviously was serving the, the band for the Derby and Churchill Downs. We now have a Baffert horse coming back in the Preakness. You know, is this just one of those situations where the Baffert horse is the one that's most prime, most ready, most talented at four to one? I'm willing to take that shot. Uh, Samich, how do you see the place paying out relative to Conti is national treasure a horse you might be interested in just because you could see him being at the front of a slow pace. Uh, national treasure is, is the million dollar question in this race to me, because if you go back and you look at his past performances, he probably is the fastest horse in this field. However, he has not gotten the lead since his debut race. That's not really his fault, though. He faced Cave Rock twice at two. Cave Rock was probably the fastest horse in this crop early, so he was never getting the lead over him, especially since he was a stable mate. Came back and ran against four other Bafferts in the sham. You weren't going to see him get the lead there either. And then that Sandy to Derby, the Conti reference. They went fast. I mean, they went 22 and change, 46 and change. National Treasure was sitting right off of that. He was three wide versus practical move being on the rail. And now with this rail draw, 
I don't see how you don't try and send national treasure. He is faster than Coffee with Chris if he wants to be. Velasquez on Baffert's consistently has gone to the front in these triple crown races. I think it's national treasure's pace to control. He has not done that since his maiden breaking score, though, which makes it a little more difficult to try and actually project that. But if he does control the pace, national treasure is wildly dangerous in this race. He would save ground. He'd be able to go his own speed. He has no distance issues. As Conti referenced there in the Santa Anita Derby, he got cut off and then he kept going. That's a big sign that a horse doesn't mind that added distance. So I think national treasure is a huge threat here, specifically because he drew the rail. I think that was the best possible place for him to draw because it limits the the options that John Velasquez has aboard. He has to go. He has to send this horse. He doesn't want coffee with Chris to cross over. As long as he wins the race into the first turn, which he should be able to, he controls the pace and becomes a huge problem for the rest of this field. Starting to get an idea for where you guys might be leaning for your top win contenders in the race, but let's back up for a second. It is a field of eight, so you don't need to cut too many horses from your tickets, but if you're looking to include the number three mage, at his odds, you probably need to get rid of a few of them if you're talking about exotics. I mentioned the pace of the race. The number two, Chase the Chaos, 50 to one, probably coming from that third flight of horses. Curious if you guys think he's a toss. And then also the number five, Red Route One, coming all the way from the back in what I expect to be a slower pace if you think he has a chance to hit the money. So just give me a couple of numbers each, horses that you're probably not going to include on tickets. And I want to see blindly if there's a consensus between you two in terms of horses we can toss. Conti, lead it off. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of them, right? Number two, Chase the Chaos, Toss. I mean, the horse has only run on a dirt track once, and it wasn't even a fast dirt track, has spent the majority of his career on poly. The numbers don't add up. You know, the last two, he's not even been remotely close, frankly, and he was the favorite at post time in his last race and ran a clunker. Uh, the four, Coffee with Chris, great story, local horse, just not up to the same caliber as these, frankly. Uh, you mentioned number five, Red Route One. Another one, you know, could he pick up pieces late? Sure. You want to use him in a superfecta and fourth? I'd be okay with that as a win contender. Absolutely not. Um, those are the three that I would lean towards tossing at this point. Yeah, so leaving the number six performing there at 15 to one. That was a horse coming from that second flight that I think might be able to get it into it based on the pace alone. Samich, give me your tosses. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to toss the two and the four as well. Conti explained that very well. Two long shots who I think are just in over their head here in this spot. For me, the other toss, and this is a horse I've been against for a while, and I've, I've been enjoying being against him, is the seven horse Blazing Sevens, who I think is going to take some money here. Chad Brown, Irad Ortiz, the connections are going to get bet. All we're going to hear about on the broadcast is how Chad Brown points toward the Preakness. This is his race. Like Blazing Sevens doesn't want two turns. He doesn't want this distance. If you go back and you look at his one major win, it was a one-turn mile in the slop. It was a grade one at uh, Aqueduct, although it was pretending to be Belmont that day. And the pace absolutely collapsed. And that's why Blazing Sevens was able to pick up the pieces there going that mile. This is just a, a great horse to leave off those trifectas, leave off those superfectas, because he is going to get bet in this spot. I think he has zero chance of winning. I think he has a very low probability of even hitting the board. Chad Brown winning the Preakness last year with early voting. I was on that horse. That was a nice cash for me. He's also won it in the past with cloud computing. But I agree. Blazing Sevens, I think, an interesting horse to go against considering the price point. Let's talk about your A's, your horses who you're definitely using on top in multi-race tickets, on top of your exotics, horses that you think are the true wing contenders. We've alluded to it. 
the number one national treasure, the number three mage, and maybe the number eight first mission. I was leading to the eight based on my early handicapping of this race. Guys, how deep are you going in terms of your A horses here? And who's your top one contender? Well, I'll kick it off here, man. I think that Mage is going to be awfully tough here. The more you watch back the Derby, the more you watch back the Florida Derby, either of those races probably beat this field. We don't need to progress here to be able to win. We just need to run back to what we've been able to do. If you go back and look at that that Kentucky Derby specifically, one of the keys that I talked about going to that race was, can Mage break well? Mage broke fine. I, it, they just went really fast up front. Mage actually ran a 48-second half mile in that race, but was in 16th place because of how fast they went early. I don't think they go that fast early, which puts Mage in a perfect spot. And if Mage is sitting there two lengths off the lead, three lengths off the lead, uh, this thing's over. I, I think Mage is able to absolutely romp at that point. It's a lot easier to bet Mage at eight to five if you had him at 15 to one than it is if you missed him at 15 to one. You have to come back at eight to five. So for me, makes my life a little bit easier in that front. The only other horse I'm going to be using in multi tickets is National Treasure. I, I think that's the one horse that has a shot of going gate to wire here. And the price, I think, is going to be right. I think Blazing Sevens takes some money. You mentioned first mission on the outside. That's going to be the buzz horse. That's going to be the one everyone tries to take a shot against Mage with. And for me, that means I'm going to try and take a shot against that horse because I would much rather have a little bit bigger of a price with a horse that I think can control the pace in National Treasure than a horse like First Mission who, yeah, looked great last time. Totally get that. Was able to run down on Grabian Lion late. Uh, but how good do we really think that race was? I, I'm, just, I'm not sure that I'm convinced that that's the type of race that wins this race today. And National Treasure, I think, is more dangerous on the front end than Arabian Lion was that day. And I think Mage is better than anyone coming from the back of the pack. So for me, I'm just going to go with the one and the three to try and get through here and try and avoid the second favorite, who I think is going to get bet down off that five to two number. Based on the discussion I've heard this week, I would agree with you that I think first mission is going to get a lot of buzz. And I think the odds for National Treasure may actually float up. Maybe you get five to one, six to one by post time. That would be lovely considering your guys' consensus opinion on this horse. Uh, Conti, I would imagine you're also going to be including the one national treasure. Are you using mage or using first mission or using anybody else? Yeah. So national treasure, definitely my top pick. Unfortunately, while I listened to Mike and included mage so that I had a nice score on Derby day, because it wasn't my top pick, it's a little bit harder to swallow at eight to five. Uh, but for the reasons I mentioned earlier, right? I really do like national treasure. The other thing that we didn't mention national treasure puts the blinkers back on. He's had the blinkers on in two races, the maiden special weight win, which he went gate to wire. And then in the breeders cup juvenile, cause they wanted him to be more forwardly placed. Mike mentioned it already, right? Going up against cave rock in that spot, tough to be able to get the lead. They're clearly all systems go, right? There's one way that they want to win this race, and that's to go out you know, to the lead or be pretty darn close to it. And I do think that, as you both have mentioned, first mission's the buzz horse. He's the wise guy horse in this Preakness. Let that horse take the money. Let the Chad Brown runner and Blazing Sevens take the money. Who knows? There are going to be people that are going to bet coffee with Chris just because he's the local horse and they want the feel-good story, right? Let some of the money pour in in other places and, and Sean, as you said, let, let National Treasure float up at five, six to one. That becomes extremely appealing. It's it's enticing as it is at four to one, becomes extremely appealing at five, six to one. But I'm not going to let Mage beat me. Unlike other sports where sharp bets, big bets can directly move odds, the public has their say in horse racing. And those $2 bets on Mage, the Kentucky Derby winner will add up and his odds will shrink or stay roughly where they are. I would imagine he finishes around even money 
eight to five, probably fair for this race. Uh, okay. So Conti, uh, just to be clear, national treasure, the one, are you also using mage or first mission at all? As a yes. First mission. No. Okay. Uh, so the one and the three are consensus top selections, but for the price national treasure, assumably the better value, especially in a small field. Hey, this is Action Network Audio Director Matt Mitchell inviting you to head into the sports betting summer with new gear that's built to last. And our folks at Shady Rays, friends of the podcast, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes to out at sea with their premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering world-class products just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. And like our betting podcasts, their sunglasses offer the clearest possible optics. Shady Rays also offers the most bananas protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. It's basically the opposite of betting on the Oakland A's. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Underneath horses, we're going to use in exotics. Any backup options? Are you are you taking in multis? Are you using anybody else on a backup ticket? But underneath in terms of exotics, trifectas, exactas, superfectas for this race, where are your top long shot selections? Uh, we'll say same order. So much first. Yeah, for me, I'm just using one in three in the multi-race bets. I'm not going to go any deeper here. I'm not going to try and take a shot. If I was going to, it would be red route one or perform. But like you said, Sean, the pace here just does not set up for either of those horses to be win candidates, right? So I'm going to be looking for prices underneath. The way I usually play these races, look, if I like the favorite, and I think the favorite has an edge in this spot, I'm looking for cold exactas, I'm looking for cold trifectas, and I'm looking for heavy superfectas with those one and two spots as single horses, right? So I'm going to play a cold 3-1 exact, a mage over national treasure. I'm hoping we get six, seven, eight to one on that, which is a much better price than mage at even money, right? And that's the way I feel like I can attack the race and be able to create some value while even using the favorite. I'm also going to play some supers and I'm going to put mage in that first spot. I'm going to put national treasure in the second spot. And then I'm going to use three horses underneath there. I'll use perform. I'll use uh, red route one. And I will use the eight horse first mission as well in the third and fourth spot. So if you play that for five bucks, you're just looking at it at a three times two ticket, essentially. So you're looking at about a $30 ticket for $5. There's a great amount of value in that, where if even if you get those first two spots with shorter prices, if you can sprinkle in one or both of those longer shots, all of a sudden you have a superfected ticket that pays out and you've got five bucks on it versus that 10 cent denomination. And you're still only spending $30 for the ticket. So I will play a uh, three over one, over five, six, eight, five, six, eight, superfecta. And then I kind of think Red Route One is the horse that's going to run third here. So I'm probably going to play a three, one, uh, five cold trifecta as well to see if we can get some value there and just hitting that one cold and, and having it for $10 or $15 and juicing up those payouts. 
I like the structuring. The one question I want to ask is with the exacta, why are you playing it cold and not boxing it, especially with two horses? Just is that just a value bet or you think it's minus EV to box it? So someone who was really, really smart, my dad, who taught me how to bet, said, if I show you my tickets, you should know exactly who I like in the order that I like them. And so I, I'm a big person. I'm big against boxing. I think boxing shows a lack of real opinion. So if you want to box it, I would recommend you probably shouldn't be playing that race. You should have, you know, let's say you want to spend $10. You should have an $8 exacto one way and a $2 exacto the other if you're worried about it coming in the opposite ways versus boxing it for $5 each way because that shows a lack of opinion in that spot. And if you are correct, you don't get paid the proper amount. So if, if you feel like you want to have some ability to kind of hedge what your your opinion is here, and mine is is 3-1, you could play it $8-3-1 and $2-1-3. But for me specifically, the way that I gamble is I'm looking for bigger scores. I'm looking for bigger hits. Generally, that means I'm betting exactas and trifectas cold or maybe playing a try with one horse over two horses. But rarely am I actually hitting the box button because I feel like that doesn't necessarily get you paid at the level you should when your opinion is correct. And... I think this is a great conversation. Just your thoughts on keys as well. You know, if you're if you're playing a trifecta key or may, maybe even an exacta key with, you know, one on top and then three underneath it, uh, you kind of feel a similar way that those are not expressing enough of an opinion to play that risk. Uh, those would be backup bets for me or or okay. smaller bets, right? So mm -hmm. I would have, let's say, I'll, let's say if I play a $2 key and I'm, I'm playing that both ways, I'm going to have a $10 with that horse on top, right? Where I'm saying, hey, this is my top horse. This is how I want to play it. I become more interested in trifecta keys if I am if I like multiple 10 to 20 to 1 shots that I have included in there. Because if your price is bigger on those horses that you're trying to run in the trifecta or the superfecta, the bet's going to pay a lot more. So it's if you are able to run your one horse in there, there's a huge amount of value. So if I really like a 10 to 1 and I have two 15 to 1s and a 5 to 1 as the horses I want to key in the try with it, that's a situation where I play it. If I like May Shear at 8 to 5, a trifecta key just does not have the value. I'm going to spend too much money to be able to hit something that's that's a big-time payout. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And the reason why I love betting on horse racing, I think it's really good lessons for bankroll management, certainly, but also in terms of how you've set it, a way to express your opinion when you're making bets. It actually teaches you a lot of structure that you can apply to other sports. I've found that it's helped me, you know, through the 15-plus years that I've been betting on sports and horse racing. Mike Conti, Let's talk about your horses that you're interested in using underneath and how you're playing the 148th running of the Preakness. I know you mentioned that you like the one and three on top, as our fellow Mike Asamich does from Racing Dudes, but how are you playing the race? Yeah, so playing it similarly, yet a little bit different, right? With National Treasure being my top selection, I will single National Treasure on top in uh, the verticals, so in the exotics and the multi-race bets. Again, I'm not going to let Mage beat me. I will be using the one and the three. Uh, but in the vertical wagering exacta trifecta, uh, the horse that I like at a, at a little bit of a price underneath is Perform. We didn't talk a ton about Perform, but when you go back and you look, right, it took this horse six races to break his maiden. But then when you go back and you dig into who he lost to in those other uh, five starts before he was able to break his maiden, lost to Mage, lost to raise Kane, lost to Disarm. Lost to Lost Ark, who came back and won next out. So it's not like he ever faced, you know, a really soft field. He was going up against some of the best two and three-year-olds at that time. I think he's really coming into his own. You go back and you watch that last race, albeit at Laurel Park. It was a non-graded stakes race. 
This horse was weaving through traffic coming down the lane and ends up tipping out just in the last 16th or so of a mile to get up for the win. Uh, super impressive at a price. We've talked about the other horses that we think are going to take money in here. Uh, I really like this horse underneath. So in terms of how I'm going to play my multi-race bets, I will play a straight trifecta one, three, six. And then as it pertains to superfectas, I will play a super where I have national treasure in first, mage in second. I will have perform and first mission in third. And then I would include red route one perform and first mission in fourth. So again, similar to Mike, right? Three by two for uh, a super effective bet, you know, for five bucks, again, it's a $30 bet. It's not a massive investment, but it can pay pretty well, especially with the fact that you're trying to beat mage, you're skinny enough right? That you're actually extracting value. And there are some prices underneath that can come in and hit the board. So folks, if you need to recap those bets, because listen, it's a lot of numbers, but just rewind it. You know, they, the guys put those together pretty concisely, but just the general opinion here, right? Major national treasure, the A selections, the six perform a pretty consensus B selection underneath use, uh, but some order one and three on top. And I think we're going to see the number eight first mission take a lot of money. The guy's generally trying to beat him, but using him defensively. Let's move back a day to the Black-Eyed Susan Stakes, 5.44 p.m. post on Friday. This is a deeper field. 12 horses would have been even longer. There were actually a few scratches shortly before the draw. I want to get both of your thoughts just on how you break the race down in general, how you're thinking about betting it. We do have... A pretty significant favorite in here, the number nine, Faza, also a Bob Baffert horse. Baffert dealing with a, a lot of tumultuous news in the past couple of weeks, the sport of horse racing in general, pretty tumultuous overall. Is this a horse you guys are considering going against as a seven to five favorite, going against completely or going to use defensively? Want to hear your thoughts on the favorite here. Any thoughts you have on this race in general, just give it to me. Mike Conti, let's start with you first. Yeah, so I'll be honest. I'm tossing Phasia at, at seven to five. Like it. Um, she's done nothing wrong, right? She's a perfect five for five. She's Bafford. I just, who has she faced, right? I, I don't know. Uh, not a whole lot out West in terms of these younger fillies. So she's a toss. And then if you toss her, now all of a sudden you look at this board and you say, wow, there is value to be had. I ironically also ended up on the one horse in this race in Sacred Wish. Uh, I went back and watched her Gulfstream Parks Oaks race a couple of times. And while I don't think that she ran poorly, she finished second in that race uh, behind Affirmative Lady. Uh, but you could really see that she was a little green at the top of the stretch. And she started to figure it out, you know, late. And then the gallop out, right? You watch the gallop out, especially when you're watching these replays, especially these younger horses to see how are they finishing up, right? Like what's their mindset when they're finishing up? And I thought that she had a really strong gallop out. So at 10 to one on the morning line, she's going to be my top selection. Uh, ironically, also Johnny V is riding her. So if I was to play the black-eyed Susan Preakness double, it would be one with one, both, of, both on Johnny V. Uh, so I, I really like her in here. The other horse that in, in this race that kind of interest me, piqued my interest. I just don't know how I really feel about her yet, though, is taxed. 
Um, and here's my biggest challenge, right? Wet Paint was a heavy favorite in the Oaks. I loved her that day. Obviously, she did not run her race. She did not. I don't think she ran particularly well. And the other thing that came out of that, uh, out of the weekend at Churchill, were that the Oaklawn shippers didn't run particularly well. And so it just leaves a question mark of how strong was that Oaklawn crop and that Oaklawn meat? Was it just that they didn't like the Churchill surface? We know it's a deeper track at Churchill. So maybe that was it. I'm not entirely sure. But at 15 to 1, taxed is a horse in here that that also piqued my interest. Conti going against the number nine Faza with the number one secret wish at 10 to one and the number 10 taxed at 15 to one. I thought Angel of Empire ran a decent derby, maybe didn't outrun his odds, but ran a decent derby coming over from Oakland. Uh, Mike Samich, are you also against the number nine Faza completely or using her defensively at all? And what other horses do you like in this race? I'm glad you mentioned Angel of Empire because that's one of the reasons I'm taking my horse in this spot. Look, I, I'm against Faza as well. I think Mike broke it down very well there. The California Phillies just aren't as good. And they have not been as good for four or five years. Baffert hasn't won this race since 2017. Uh, before that, it was 2011. These are Pletcher races. These are Cox races. They've been successful with the Phillies in these three-year-old races. The East Coast has been better than the West Coast consistently with the Phillies over the last few years. So for me, there's just too many question marks to play this horse at seven to five. I mean, the and tell me no lies ran 12th. In the Kentucky Oaks. That is by far the best horse that FaZe has faced. The, the, the waters get a lot deeper. You're shipping for the first time. And the price isn't right. So for all those reasons, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go to the four horse, Merlaza here. Uh, this is a Brad Cox horse. Florent Giroux gets the mount. This horse has done, won three straight times. Ran second in its first career start. She is improving. And to me, she has tactical speed in a race where I think the pace is kind of murky. There's a bunch of horses that want to be forwardly placed. But no one that really wants to just go, 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 right? So I think she's going to be able to sit in that second group right behind the horses that do decide to go. And she's going to get a nice trip to be able to make a run around the far turn. The distance should be great for her. This is a Magla de Oro, a daughter of Magla de Oro out of a distorted humor mare. So she should want every bit of this extra distance she's going to get. I mentioned Brad Cox. He's very good with these fillies. This is clearly not his best filly in the barn. But that may not matter to win this race because this is not nearly as deep as the Kentucky Oaks that we saw two weeks ago. The price is right as well. We're getting six to one here in this spot. And she was successful at fairgrounds, which was also the thing that pointed toward Angel of Empire, who won at fairgrounds, went to Oakland and won. Well, she won at fairgrounds, went and won a stakes race at Oakland. Now she's showing up here on Black Eyed, in the Black Eyed Susan. So I'm going to use the four Merlaza on top. I don't feel like completely fading FaZa. I'm not going to use FaZa in the multi-race stuff, but I do think she makes a ton of sense in that second or third spot underneath if you're looking to play a trifecta because, look, her best effort, even if she is, let's let's say she is better than what I expect, she could easily end up in that second or third spot. If she just runs back to those races, it would fit. I like the 10 tax as well. I, I'm willing to give that Oakland issue a break the race last time was good enough. If I respected wet paint as much as I did, and she just didn't show up, I got to give tax another shot here at 15 to one. So I think the 10 tax makes some sense here, but my topic is going to be the four Merlaza at six to one. I, I love it guys. You know, my initial reaction to this race, I hadn't dove particularly deep into it, but against the nine on the one and on the four. So yeah, uh, one and four, the 10 in there also for the black eyed Susan Preakness double. You guys also like the one and the three in the Preakness. And I mean, Brad Cox in big races. Can you really go completely against them? So the one, the four, and the 10 in the Black Eyed Susan, the one, the three, and the eight in the Preakness stakes. That covers you with Brad Cox. 
and it covers you with Johnny V on the one in both races as well. Let's back up a little bit to the undercard races on Friday. Any particular bets that stand out for you guys, not only in terms of being a win bet, maybe an exotic that you have somewhere on the card, or just a horse that you want to single in multi-race sequences. Samich, going to go right back to you. Yeah, I'm looking at the first race of the day here, 1130 post time on the East Coast. So get your bets in early. I'm going to go to the five horse, Evan Harlan, Grand Motion Trains, Joel Rosario is going to ride. This race doesn't have a lot of speed. There's a couple horses that have had the lead inside of Evan Harlan, but in those races, they were going 24, 49 to the half. Evan Harlan is faster than that. And Grand Motion is a, a very old school style trainer. He does not press horses. He does not overly place horses. Really interesting what he did with Evan Harlan. Evan Harlan wins a maiden special weight at Aqueduct, goes right into the grade one Hollywood Derby. That is a huge step up in class last year. Drops down to a, a non-winners of one allowance, ends up running third there, then goes right back into a grade three race. Grand Motion thinks a lot of this horse. First time out as a four-year-old, went a mile and a half at Keeneland, ended up running fifth in that race. Now we're getting second off a layoff, second out as a four-year-old with controlling speed at a seven-to-two price. I'm going to put a win bet in here on the five-horse Evan Harlan in the first race on Friday. 11.30 a.m. post time. So as Mike said, get those bets in early. Second choice on the board, is there a number that you would bet Evan Harlan down to? I think we're going to get every bit of that seven to two. I think it actually might float up a little bit. Even I would be interested in Evan Harlan at three to one or better. If we get down to that five to two, two to one range, that's where I would start looking at, Hey, can I play a double? Do I want to look at something where I want to single this horse in the pick five to separate myself a little bit. Uh, I do like the four horse in the second race rugs quite a bit as well. I considered that having to be the best bet on the card, but the five to two mm -hmm. price kept me off it. So if we see some money start pouring in on the five Evan Harlan, I don't hate the five, four double here to kick off the card. Love that to start your card and your betting for Preakness Stakes weekend on Friday. Mike Conti, any underbar, excuse me, any undercard bets for Friday for you? Yeah, I, I'm going to race 10, which is the Miss Preakness Stakes um, for three-year-old Phillies sprint race, six furlongs. Uh, there's a big morning line favorite in here. Number six, Maple Leaf Mel at eight to five. She's coming out of all state bred races in New York. And so not just for that reason, but I'm going against her and I'm going on number four afternoon tea. She broke her maiden last out at Keeneland where she was able to draw in after a couple of defections in that race. She was in the 15 post. Here's what I really liked about her. She sat a perfect trip, which you could say, well, isn't that a reason to go against a horse? She was extremely green in the lane, had her head cocked. It looked like she had the runner up American retro dead to rights in the lane and she won but not super convincingly that was only afternoon t's second ever career start and it was her first career start on a fast dirt track i'm expecting her to continue to move forward and there are no world beaters in this race even with the heavy morning line favorite at eight to one extreme amounts of value i will be playing her in, in multi-race bets um, as a single, trying to extract the value earlier in this pick five sequence that I think is a little bit of a salty uh, pick five sequence that ends in the black eyed Susan, frankly. So I will have her as my single uh, in that sequence. I think Mike and I both agree on a horse in the 11th as well, Breath Away, uh, who looked phenomenal last time out in the Sandbell Island at Gulfstream Park. Absolutely exploded. Going to be two to one on the morning line. So a little bit of a shorter price, but a horse that you can definitely key around in the late pick five on Friday as well. So that is the number one breath away in race 11. Uh, and we have a consensus opinion there. 
let's move. And I should mention for race 10, a little partial for me to the number. Uh, oh, I, I, I believe I lost it. The, uh, the number five Topsy, daughter of B Jersey, who won a bunch of money for me in the Metropolitan Mile. So any kids of B Jersey will be horses that I'm rooting for. Let's move on to Saturday's undercard. Any bets throughout the card, either leading into the Preakness or not. Mike Samich going right back to you. Any undercard bets you like, singles you like throughout the card? So I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a shot here in the ninth race. We're going six furlongs for the Phillies here. $100,000 stakes race. Drew 10 horses. Eight of the 10 want the lead. <laughs> so who am I looking for? The other two who don't. Uh, trying to find someone who's going to come from off the pace a little bit. That points to the number six gunning Ken McPeak. Give Flavian Pratt aboard. Uh, this horse has run back to back to back off track races. Come from off the pace in all three of those. But if you look back, I would actually argue the maiden breaking score of a fast track was the best race for this horse. It looks like we're going to have a fast track on Saturday. We've got a plethora of speed that is going to be firing out of the gate in front of gunning i think gunning sits the perfect trip and we are getting six to one because the buyers are just a little bit lower than some of these speed horses but when we have four or five line up and gunning's just sitting there being able to to draft right behind those leaders i think it sets up extremely well and that six to one price should be there so i'll take gunning the number six horse in the ninth race at six to one 3.31 p.m. post time for that. Gunning a son of Gunrunner, my all-time favorite horse. <laughs> so I literally need to do no other research into that race. I will be betting Gunning. Mike Conti, give me your favorite undercard bets for Saturday. Yeah, so I'm going to race seven uh, to the number one horse again. I promise. It's not a number thing for me. It just <laughs> happened to work out this way this weekend. Uh, to number one, White Beam. Horses three to one. Last time out, first start uh, for this Philly as, uh, as in the U S excuse me. And you look, if you just look at the running line in the PPs, you say, okay, she lost by a neck. She was relatively close, only sat two lengths back. It was only a five horse field though. If you actually then look at the times and you go watch the replay of this, they went extremely slow. I would consider it a, where she actually closed into a slow pace. She was clearly moving the best. And the horse that won that day after, or that afternoon, excuse me, Evie Jets, just walked them around the track. I think there's much more pace signed on in here for White Beam. You get Irad aboard for Chad Brown. We're getting three to one on the morning line. Listen, I said as my best derby card uh, under bet was up to the market four to one and back the Brinks truck up. And thankfully, hopefully everybody else cashed as, as much as some of us did on that. And, and I would say the same thing here with White Beam. I love this horse. Honestly, probably my best bet of the entire weekend is White Beam. Uh, I think that she is primed, ready to go, will sit a great trip, has enough of, has great late kick, has plenty of pace to run into. Chad, Irad, and she's never run a bad race in her life. Second off the layoff, there's just so much to like about this filly. And so, listen, it's in a part of the sequence, right, of like, how do you play this? Well, Mike and I both actually really like gunning in the ninth race. So it's something where I'm going to have bookend singles in a big pick three, where I single white beam uh, in race seven, single gunning in race nine, and probably spread a little bit, uh, use three or four horses in the eighth race, uh, just quick 
Atone, Never Explain, Easter, and Emmanuel in that race. Um, but again, that's a race too where I will probably play a massive pick three where I just single in in race eight as well because I think Atone's going to be tough. And so I'll play two pick threes, one where I spread a little bit in race eight, one where I have, it's a cold pick three, where I've got uh, White Beam in race seven, Atone in race eight, and Gunning in race nine. A white beam was one that I I targeted as well there, so it was a, it was interesting. He sniped that one from me because that look that white beam came home in twenty two and three in that race that that Mike was referencing. That is otherworldly over that Gulfstream Park turf to not be able to win when you come home that fast. You're coming from off the pace, so white beam a good single there also kicks off a pick five in race seven. So if you want to single both of them, you can spread out in those other three legs and try and get home a nice pick five. Congratulations to the number four eminent victor, the other Chad Brown horse in the race, because when you pick. One Chad Brown, the other one always comes home and ends up tearing up your tickets. Guys, thank you so much for this analysis. They gave you plenty of bets throughout the cards on both Friday and Saturday, whether it was exotics for the Preakness Stakes, exotics for the Black Eyed Season on Friday, a Black Eyed Season Preakness Double, and then some undercard singles on both Friday and Saturday. For Mike Samich, for Mike Conti, I'm Sean Zarillo. We'll see you back in a few weeks for the Belmont Stakes. Best of luck this weekend. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.